Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have a special guest with us in Mr. Maxwell Baker, the MHP broker. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Before we dive in, I want to ask all the listeners a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners and means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Maxwell Baker founded the MHP Broker back in 2009 as a commercial real estate brokerage firm specializing in helping investors purchase and sell mobile home communities, mainly throughout the southeastern United States. His family has been involved with mobile home park investing since the year 2000, and he has been a part of the management, rehabilitation, and the selling of mobile home parks ever since they purchased their first park. Today, we will discuss where the mobile home park sales market is at in 2023. Welcome to the show, Maxwell. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate you uh, having me on, man. Totally, totally. Would you mind starting out uh, by telling us a little about your story and how in the world you got into mobile home park investment brokerage business? Sure, man. So when I first started, uh, I was uh, in the Marine Corps as a trumpet player. And my dad, I was back in um, 2001 to 2005. I think it was. And um, my dad had, had bought a, a mobile home park in some small podunk town in South Carolina. And he uh, had some empty lots and he asked me, because I was doing hard money loans and financing musical instruments. I was a trumpet player, like I mentioned, for a fellow Marines that wanted to buy a brand new trumpet and didn't have the cash. So I was playing the credit card game, like charging them one interest and the credit card was charging me the other. So he was like, look, you're already well, you know, doing the finance game, like, why don't you do it on mobile homes? And I said, all right, sounds good. So after I did my first deal, I was like, wow, this is uh, a lot better than um, anything else because I'm getting better cash flows. I'll just keep doing it. So I, I actually started out as a Lonnie dealer. Shout out to Lonnie Scruggs, the original gangster of this industry. And then I eventually, when I got into college and got out of the Marine Corps, I started flipping mobile homes and uh, saw that I could make decent money, but I was like, one day I want to be a park owner. And uh, I was like, the only way for me to build more and more capital was to be a broker. Um, and I became a broker and bought a couple of deals, did well. And I really enjoyed the brokerage part just because of the challenge. And there was a the thing about park ownership is it's uh, requires a lot of capital um, because uh, a lot of these parks are have not been uh, maintained for, you know, uh, decades. <laughs> so I uh, realized that pretty quickly. And I was like, all right, I like the brokerage. So um, we've steadily tried to buy like one or two deals a year. Um, and we just buy stuff that's like, at this point, um, my full-time job is brokerage. And then um, the other part is uh, buying stabilized assets. Like we don't, we're not big in the rehab stuff. Uh, I've done a couple of those, but I just prefer to buy something that's already done and cash flows because 
like I said, this this industry is can be extremely lucrative. The returns can be outrageous. I know Andrew has done really well with his investments. So yeah, I mean, pretty much in a nutshell, man, that's kind of how we've done it. And we've grown to 36 different states now that we are uh, marketing to. And we average about, I'd say about 50 or so transactions a year. Um, and we are currently working on a debt platform to source debt for people out there that are looking to buy deals as well as uh, for our own listings, because uh, we specialize in secondary tertiary market deals that are typically small, medium size. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've done, you know, the bigger deals out there, like portfolios, we've done, you know, $34 million deals and we've done deals that are half a million bucks. So it just depends, but 80% of the market share in the, in the states that we work in is typically 60 units and below. Um, and that's the uh, pond that we like to fish in and it works pretty well. And yeah, pretty much it in a nutshell, man. That's so cool, man. I have a, a ton of questions. First off, you were a Lonnie dealer. That's how I got started in manual oh, yeah? housing. Which I, didn't I didn't know, know that. With that. Yeah. So were you only a Lonnie dealer, you know, for homes in your, your parents or your dad's park or were you like doing it, you know, all over? Yeah. The so when I was in college, I actually put an ad in the local uh, penny saver back when you can actually, you know, I think you probably still do it now, but back in 05, um, that's how I was able to get leads. And uh, it, I was the only person in Podunk, middle Georgia that was like, we buy mobile homes. <laughs> and uh, I got a ton of calls. Um, a lot of times they had to be moved, which is, uh, back then you could move a single wide mobile home for less than two grand, um, which that obviously doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> a lot more expensive these days, but yeah, I was, uh, that's how I started. And, uh, I actually, on my very first deal, I learned a lot and unfortunately ended up in court, didn't do the paperwork right. Uh, and when I got in there, my attorney wasted my money and my time and didn't do it jack crap for me and uh the judge decided not to decide and said you guys need to figure it out and i was like what the hell is that how, how can a judge not decide to what to i mean are you just not going to work today i guess uh, so that was interesting i learned a lot now uh it forced me to be impeccable with my paperwork because paperwork in this industry is like i mean if you don't have your paperwork right you ain't got a deal and it can you know as a broker, we're very, very sensitive to what kind of paperwork is being used and how we, you know, business days versus calendar days, uh, stuff like, you know, those little things out there. So, yeah. Totally. Totally. And those, for those of you that don't know what a Lonnie dealer is, they will buy individual trailers and then, you know, maybe in other people's parks and then fix them up and sell them, you know, with monthly payments to an end buyer that will, you know, buy the home and then pay lot rent. So, I did that. I did like 19 of those. You know, I was putting a bandit sign. We buy mobile home. And yeah, it was just a crafty way to kind of get into the business. Yeah. And, and get the returns are great. Yeah, the returns are great. How many of those did you do, Maxwell? I didn't do that many because I converted over to brokerage. I did about okay. uh, I did about eight, I think of what okay. it was. I did about eight of them. Nice. Awesome. And then you said you've you've been buying one to two deals a year you know what does your portfolio now look like you know how many lots how many different parts yeah so um we've sold most of the stuff we've had over the years i'm down to just three parks actually now um i've never got over let's see never got over seven 
like I said, I've, I'm, uh, I don't raise money. I'm not a big money raiser for personal reasons. You know, I've always just kind of done it myself, saved my money up, bought a deal, turn it around and then put it back on the market. We've sold it. So right now I'm down to three and I actually bought one last year. It was my first time I ever got into boat and RV storage, which has been a steep learning curve. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much in a nutshell. I didn't able to start buying deals until probably, man, back in 15, I think it was, because running a brokerage company is pretty expensive. I was reinvesting most of my money back into it. And then eventually I was like, all right, I've got some capital. We can start buying some deals now. So that's pretty much in a nutshell where it was. Awesome. And you're looking for stabilized deals. You know, what is the typical deal that you would buy yourself look like? South of $2.5 million um, typically is what I'm looking for. It's about, you know, give or take about a half a million down. Um, Lot rents about $400 um, or so. Um, I'll buy something at like an eight cap if it's in a decent area. I don't mind paying a, a decent price for a deal. You know, we bought direct build city water and sewer deals and we've bought septic tank deals. And I don't really I don't really buy the sewage treatment plant stuff because pretty, uh, pretty expensive if they go bad. Sure. Um, I don't uh, I'll occasionally do some park owned homes a little bit. But I mean, every deal is different, Andrew. Like I'm not uh, particular like and I, I step aside. We have a deal in Birmingham that just went out to market. I knew we could produce a better offer versus me trying to buy it. It's like, I just kind of step aside. I've always been that way. Just like if the client says, Max, I really want to take this deal down. I'm like, that's fine. Like, I'll get out of the way. You, you take it down. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, we're talking to this guy in Birmingham and we have this park listed and we're getting like, you know, 50% down and I'm not anywhere near going to be able to put that kind of cash down on something like that. So it's just, sure. at the end of the day, we're always trying to look out for the seller. And if we, if I know for a fact, we can get a better offer, I'm like, all right, well, let's just take it to market. I, I really feel like there's an opportunity for you to really get uh, cashed out or some crazy amount of money down. So it just, mm-hmm. it varies from deal to deal. But like I said, it's, you know, just yeah, it's whatever, it's whatever's, whatever's best for, for the client. Totally. You started in the business back in 2009, right? So like the Great Recession, 2009, 2010. Tell us about mobile home park investing during this time and and what did it look like compared to today? I remember I could sell, I could not sell, I should say, a 10 cap deal. It sat on the market for like eight, nine months. And it was in uh, the MSA of Atlanta. It was over a hundred pads. And now today that same deal probably would trade at like sub eight. Um, just depends on, you know, you know, the debt's a big component to what people are willing to pay. It's typically 250 basis points above whatever interest rate they're going to get. That's like the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, man, it's, it's changed. It's just the cost to do business is way different now than it was back then and obviously there's just more frank and frank roth and frank and dave have done a great job 
educating and 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 you as well, man. I see you post a lot of great stuff on LinkedIn, and I uh, I learn stuff from you, man. That's that's it's great. Like you've got a lot of great stuff that you post, and it's all factual stuff. Just you know, I'm like I'll I'll read some of your stuff. I'm like, you know what? That's so true. I don't even think about it that way. So (laughs) uh, you do some good stuff, but like, there's just more people out there that are putting out information to the industry, like. Back then, lenders didn't even care about park-owned homes. They were like, like you posted that thing on on LinkedIn, and I said, I made a comment about control on securing their loan. But back then, man, like they didn't want park-owned homes. They were like, stick around. I'm, and I remember I was a broker. I was thinking to myself, you guys are you guys are putting yourself in a tough situation because like it's been happened more than once, Andrew, where I would see the uh, banks do that, the community banks. And then uh, right before, once they started defaulting, like half of the park-owned homes are gone. Yeah. And I've even seen it like where, you know, a hundred, like the park owner would take out all the homes before they went into foreclosure. And it's like, what is your park worth now? You have no income. So it makes sense. That's why I'm kind of leading on the lender side. I know that's not what you want to probably hear, but it makes sense that they have titles. It's just because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about protecting themselves. And I think the lenders back then didn't know any better, but now they've kind of figured out, well, probably should control the assets that are there producing the money for us to put the value. So there's been a big difference in just understanding how the industry works and um, really just trying to figure out, you know, what's the best position to be in. Yeah, there's there's definitely more buyers out there, more investors that have heard about the asset class. You know, Frank and Dave, uh, new podcasts, uh, Brandon Turner at, at Bigger Pockets has, has been a big advocate for the asset class. So definitely more interest today. But it's crazy that a ten cap was you know over a hundred lots was sitting on the market and not selling. That's so crazy. Tell yeah, us about man. today. How's the sales market today? You know, it's it's almost uh, de- the first of December. Uh, it's November 28th, 2023. What What is the sales market like today? What deals are moving? Uh, surprisingly, completely vacant communities are moving. We're seeing those move a lot. Wow. A lot of conversions from beatnik mobile home parks over to RV communities. Surpri- I mean, we're just, I don't know what it is, man. All of a sudden, we've getting hit up and they're like, yeah, let's put it on the market. And I was like, I don't know who's going to buy it. But, man, we get a slew of people coming in to want to do park conversions or put in brand new units. Obviously the, the diamond in the rough out there or the uh, bell of the ball, however you want to look at it is the direct build city water sewer paved roads, all lot rent. You know, it's literally as close as you can get to a triple net lease Mm -hmm. in the mobile home park world um, as possible. So that stuff still trades at a premium, even sometimes at rates that I'm like, Wow, I can't even believe it. Um, other things that are trading, you know, we're still just, I mean, I would say out of the volume we do, man, like we've probably dropped 15%. Um, and it's just because like there's a disconnect between what interest rates are doing um, and what sellers' expectations are. You know, a lot of people are just like, look, I'm not going to get my price or I'm not going to get cashed out 100%, then I'm not going to sell. So um, we're starting to see a lot more creative financing for people that 
need to sell. I mean, there's always going to be the people out there that are, you know, getting a divorce, partnership dispute, you know, syndicator needs to cash out after five years or however long it is. Um, we're starting to see uh, some slippage in the management of communities. So there hasn't been too many foreclosures yet. Um, we did save one from going into foreclosure because, you know, it's um, it's tough for you to buy a community that's all park owned home from afar and not have a system method and process to manage it yeah. um, because it'll eat your lunch. So if you have a good system method and process, then, um, you know, you shouldn't have any issues. But a lot of people bought deals and they weren't they didn't have that set up. So some of them are really struggling the management side from what I've seen. So it's pretty much it in a nutshell, man. Has there been any buyers you've seen that have like taken on variable rate debt and are, you know, kind of like what we're seeing on the multifamily, you know, side of things where there's some distress over there? Do you think there's any of that in the MH space? I'm not seeing too much variable debt. I'm seeing shorter terms on the loan. I mean, right now we're getting quotes at eight and a half percent. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the credit unions out there are doing uh, prime minus 50 bips, which is kind of a, if you're going to go get a, a park loan, like if you have a credit union, we've actually been cold calling every single credit union that we can get our hands on in all the 36 states and seeing which ones lend on parks uh, because they just, they're the best, you know, this is the best debt in the business right now. If you're doing stuff that's south of, 1.5 or 2 million bucks, like credit unions are, are, uh, you know, the next best thing since sliced bread, um, for mobile home park loans. That's kind of what we're seeing. And it's all recourse. Obviously you might be able to get partial recourse. Um, if you put down like 50%, um, but typically, you know, they're at like eight, uh, 25% down 25 year ammo, just did a quote today and uh, DCR typically is like one and a quarter, sometimes 1.35 is where they're at. Yeah, no, that's good insight. Yeah. How has cap rates changed? I know you said like 250 bips above the interest rate. So if you're getting eight and a half rate, you know, you're looking at, you know, what you're looking at 11 cap rates. You know, yeah. Rates. I mean, we, as a broker, we're, we're trying to push it to 200 bips, <laughs> But uh, typically, that's what people come out of the box saying. I mean, every deal is different, man, because if you're buying a park in a good area and your lot rents are like, you know, $300 below market, obviously, you're going to pay um, for, some a, of the uh, yeah, for some of that upside there. Um, it just depends on the situation or if you've got a, a, you know, a unique position. Like I know a guy that's got a great a relationship with a manufacturer and they do uh, brand new homes. I think it's called um, Hamilton Homes out of Alabama. They do really well. If you guys have checked them out and uh, got some decent loan programs as well. It just depends on your situation. I mean, that's the great thing about this industry. It's extremely entrepreneurial um, just because of like, you have to be, it's just so many variables. You've got the park owned homes, you got the lot rents, you got people that do lease options. You know, you've got, you know, the rental communities. Um, You've got expansion, you know, you've got some of them, like we got a deal in West Virginia right now that's got self-storage in it, if you're into that. And you've got the completely vacant deals. Like there's just so many different ways that you can make money in this industry. And it's pretty fragmented. Like in the apartment world, you kind of, 
you know, forgive my ignorance, but it kind of feels like you, you know what you get um, when you're buying it. And a lot of times in these parks, like, you know, there's a, you might get, you might get some surprises. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, but for the most part, from what I've seen, it's always worked out um, for the buyer just because, you know, you're, if you're buying it right and, and the broker that's doing selling you the deal has done their due diligence up front for you and kind of helps you, you know, wrap your head around the deal, you know, not to tout myself, but I'm going to is, you know, we try to do a lot of upfront due diligence because, you know, surprises kill deals, problems don't. Um, and uh, we try to get in front of all those issues. That way we can disclose and set expectations as quickly as possible because it's just, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed this industry just because it's just, like I said, there's a lot of upside, a lot of mom and pops are coming out. You know, there's more people, more, more lenders are coming out of nowhere, lending on deals than, than ever before. And, um, you know, this, the returns are still great. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of meat on the bone. I agree. But what's coming for the next 12 to 24 months? You know, what, what do you think is happening in the economy and, and how do things change in the mobile home park investment space? Yeah. I mean, I would say election years are very difficult in real estate. It's just everybody typically folds their hands and kind of sits back to see what is going on. But we're starting to see rates obviously level out um, on the credit unions and community bank. Um, CMBS agency debt stuff out there is a little fickle from what my experience is. And um, but the community and credit union stuff has been pretty, pretty st steady, Eddie, because uh, there's just so many there's so many more people out there doing it um but i'm a little biased because that's what we specialize in I, and then over the next 24 months man i think the volume is going to slow down a little bit you're still going to have the breakups and you know you know people getting older and retiring um but it's just right now it, it's kind of mucky um just the market the way it is um, like I said, we're still moving deals, but it's a lot more. We have to be a lot more creative and structuring um, how we do deals on the owner finance side. Um, you know, we just had a massive deal fall out of contract that was frustrating because of debt. Um, so, I mean, it's a uh, massive deal is like, you know, 10 million bucks for us. Um, but, um, you know, it's just um, it's kind of tough to say, man, I don't like to be a predictor because I read the book, The Black Swan, and there's always some outliers out there that will just come out of nowhere and surprise you. So I would say that it's still going to be kind of mucky with the buyers and sellers. And I still think there's going to be some movement um, just because of natural recourse of deals. But I think mm -hmm. after the election, you know, I think uh, the Biden administration is going to put pressure on the Fed here to to do some stuff this year to kind of get everybody's euphoria back up uh, before the election and claim um, claim some ownership on that. Uh, won't get too political, but the kind of my gut feeling that rates will kind of shrink down a little bit next year. And then um, we'll see what happens after the election. I don't know. Like it's a, uh, it's a crapshoot. All I know is, you know, we, we as a brokerage company had to expand into more States in order to keep up with uh, the same kind of volume we've always done. So it's just, there's been a slowdown. I mean, there, there's, I mean, I'm not going to tell you there hasn't been. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where, where I'm thinking. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you, you know, sharing your perspective there. Maxwell, just from a high level, 
you know, what would you say is the toughest hurdle or like the toughest part of mobile home park ownership and investing? Like, like what's the toughest hurdle that most operators face? What's the hardest part? People like your people in house as a business owner, like for, for me, like even operating a brokerage, like we've got about 25 people on our team and it's, that's the hardest part is just getting your people you know, working the same, you know, rowing in the same direction, uh, having the same culture, making sure metrics are being melt or met, I should say, you know, because everything else is pretty, you know, black and white. Um, but just the people on your team is finding the right people. Once you get them in there, maintaining them, making sure, you know, they're treated right, you know, paying them a uh, a good amount of money and making sure like, uh, you know, the culture's there. I mean, that's for me, like, and I, I think you have a pretty stout team with what you're doing and it's probably taken you years to figure that out. But yeah, I'd say the biggest variable, the guys and girls out there that are the most successful in this industry have a great team and they have a great system method and process to do what they do. Totally. Maxwell, if you were going to invest passively into a mobile home park syndication or into like a mobile home park investment fund, what do you think are the most important things you know you would look out for as a passive investor before investing into that? I mean, I'm a little different probably than the most people out there is because like I get to kind of uh, look under the hood with who I invest in uh, because I see when I do a deal with them, how they act. Um, and how, whether or not they're, you know, to put it bluntly, an asshole or not. <laughs> so I'm a little, I kind of have a unique position and I invest with people that I feel like uh, would do a great job at taking care of uh, my pets at home. Um, or even I could uh, go and enjoy having lunch or or even doing a fishing trip like we were just talking about before this um, podcast. Like it just depends on who you like. Um, so if your persona, if you know somebody and you trust them, like I've got, I've got a buddy of mine that does uh, vulture deals in the triple net. He does uh, lease tree negotiations. And I've invested probably half a dozen times with him and uh, we go out and we drink and we're big bike riders. So we go out and, and go get some uh, on the belt line to ride bikes and he'll come up with the deal. Like we just flipped a deal down in Fort, Fort Worth. It was a, ironically a boat and RV facility. And I just, he was just telling me like the basics on it. And I was like, you know what, Giles, I trust you. I looked at the numbers. I feel like, you know, you've treated me right. The last few times I've done this, you know, and, um, I trust him. Like he, I, he's a buddy of mine and it just, it just depends on for me. Like I, 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 uh, I invest with people where I feel good about them and I look at the returns and if they're consistent with what they say and they have a very clean system method and process like onboarding, offboarding deals and not just kind of like slamming together and you get a random phone call in the middle of the day, like, Hey, can you wire me 50 grand? Like they have a, like I said, very structured, like the more structure somebody has, the lower probability it's going to blow up. Um, and Giles, my, one of my best pals, like he's extremely structured and I think you are as well, man. So, um, if you, uh, if you've got the structure and, and, um, you know, you, you do, uh, you treat people right. 
And, um, you know, you leave a little meat on the bone for your investors and you make a little bit of money too. Like you're going to be able to live a long time. Like that's kind of how I run the brokerage. Like I don't make a killing on the brokerage, but I, I pay people well and everybody gets a nice slice of the pie. And, and, you know, I don't have to work as hard, you know what I mean? Just because everybody else is happy making a good amount of money on the team. So I, I kind of feel like that's me personally. That's how I, how I look at things. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Maxwell, what mistakes have you seen operators make in mobile home park investing? I'd say the biggest thing is the management. Uh, variable debt uh, is another one. Um, uh, park on home values. It's a crapshoot on those, man. I uh, Anytime I see a person capitalize the income on the park on home, like it should be below the line, you know, income, not above the line income. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I kind of just look at the park on home stuff as just like an extra goody goody. Um, but I never, I, ne- I always tell the sellers is like, look, it's a crapshoot on these park owned homes. Cause you know, I use this analogy all the time. It's like 1970 uh, mobile home in Huntington beach, California could be worth $200,000 in that same mobile home. And, beautiful uh albany georgia is going to be worth 500 bucks and they might be the same exact model but it's all a component of what lot rents are going for it's just the lot rent the lot the local lot rent will determine what your home is worth um no matter what the higher the lot rent i mean the more that home is worth just because the demand is there so that's another big variable is just the park owned homes and then um not checking whether or not the county will play nice with you mm. is another big variable. I've seen big players out there take down a deal on a county that won't let you replace a home if it burns down mm. or, uh, you know, have uh, age restrictions on the homes um, or if a, you know, home or if a lot's vacant more than 12 months, they won't let you use it. They just disqualify it. That's another big variable I see people make mistakes on. And we, and we do that stuff as brokerage. You know, like I said, problems don't kill deals, surprises do. So as all of our deals, we're always verifying and I've always been that way. And it's probably the reason why we've done so well over the years is just, we just, you know, for me, if I was buying a deal, like I, I try to show people like, hey, make sure you're doing this. We give them a due diligence sheet. What they're, if they don't have one, um, we have the questionnaire that we ask sellers. It's like three pages long. And uh, a lot of stuff is from, we call the county and see what's going on just because, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. And if you don't have somebody on your side, like Andrew or myself, that's kind of helping you navigate all the different variables. I mean, you can make a lot of mistakes in this industry. Um, so if you've got a nice, if you've got a, somebody like Andrew has a good platform um, and uh, like has all the stuff we talked about earlier, um, the probabilities of deals blowing up in your face are going to be very low. I'm trying to think there's anything else. That's really it. Flood zones are a big variable because a lot of lenders out there don't like lending on those. I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can think of. Well, that's, that's, I mean, those are some major golden nuggets there that you just covered because I, I think, I think we've added at least one or two items from every park we've bought of like new things we've learned. So like, and we're continually adding to our due diligence checklist uh, of things to look for because, you know, like you said, it's not a very complex business. It's not rocket science. 
but there's certain boxes you got to check and you got to roll your sleeves up and you got to get hands on, you know, with calling the local municipalities and zoning, et cetera. So great insights there, Maxwell. If any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do so? So you can go to our website at uh, themhpbroker.com, the mobile home park broker.com. You can email me at info at themhpbroker.com. Our phone number is 678-932-0200. If you register as a buyer or even a seller, obviously you're probably going to want to talk to Andrew if you're a seller. But if you don't want to talk to Andrew, you can always talk to me as a broker. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm messing with you a little bit. But we've got uh, a buyer's guide. It's a book that talks about all the different things you should look out for. It's a free book. All you have to do is register on our website. And if you're a seller, we've also got a seller's guide that uh, has all the details that you should look out for as a seller when you're buying a deal or better yet, when you're selling a deal, all the pitfalls that some people fall into. So yeah, we, we definitely kind of play both sides of the spectrum there to help buyers and sellers out just kind of, you know, just really just shed a light on all the different things out there that, you know, people should know when you're probably moving one of the biggest assets of your life. That's awesome, man. And Maxwell, Uh, For those of you listening on the podcast, he's wearing an awesome hat. Uh, I got one of those at Seco. It says, make trailer parks great again. If any of the listeners would like to get one of those hats or purchase one of those, I know we spoke a little bit. Are they able to do that on your website as well? So we're actually about to do a redesign here first quarter. But if you want to buy one, um, happy to sell you one. Just shoot me an email. Uh, I think they're about, you know, deliver 30 bucks uh, a pop. Um, or if you go to Seco, we have them out there for free. Um, so just go to Seco or go to MHI. Um, I think they have an MHI every every year in Vegas or wherever they have it. We'll give it to you for free. Just come by the booth. But if you want one now, I'm happy to send it to you. And uh, just shoot me that email. We'll take it from there. Awesome, Maxwell. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Good luck to you, man. Thanks for having me. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.